was Collingwood making the Super Netball finals last year and we actually lost the game to make finals by percentage. So it was a weird feeling. Our head coach had COVID at the time, so I was sitting in her seat and it was very specific depending on how high the score was as well. It was we were under 48 goals at the end, it, we could only lose by one. Or if we were above that, we could lose by two. <laughs> so I was sitting there as the score was ticking over yeah. the whole game, just making sure we knew what we needed to get. I checked it probably a hundred <laughs> times and everyone turned to me at the siren and were like, were we in? Are we in? We didn't know. Even though I knew that we were in and I'd done the calculation so many times, it was still stressful. G'day guys, coming up on the show today is Bianca Litchfield. Bianca is a performance analyst at Collingwood's AFLW and Super Netball teams. Bianca is one of the sports grade community OGs with some great experience at Collingwood as an intern, as well as at the MCG in customer service and a bit of rowing coaching and gymnastics coaching thrown in between before she eventually landed her role in performance analytics. Bianca is part of the many women absolutely killing it in the sports industry as we celebrate International Women's Day this week. Let's go. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sports, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the Sports Road Podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker and joining me in the studio is the pie man, Reuben Williams. We are two mates who met at Cricket Australia and each week we learn how people made it in the sports industry and then tease out their career decisions, work habits, skills and all the things they do to make them great. So you can learn how to get your first job or your next job in sport and progress your career. Rubes, how are you, mate? The Pie Man. What do you think about that one? <laughs> the Pie Man. Jeez, uh, I, I don't know where to, I, I love pies. I don't <laughs> mind the Collingwood Football Club either. Uh, growing up, I had a lot of Collingwood Football Club players in my dream team and super coach. So yep. don't mind the pies. I like the pies as well. And main reason I love the pies is because we beat him in the flag in 2018. <laughs> um, I know it's five years ago now, but... Uh, I'll always have a soft spot for Collingwood. Um, <laughs> unlucky on that on that day in September. But I must no say, it, it would be one of the great places to work if you're in sport in Melbourne. Yeah. Like you're right next to the city, you're right next to the tan, you're right next to the MCG, you've got yep. one of the greatest facilities uh, in world sport, in one yep. of the greatest cities in the world. It's just like prime location. Yeah. I reckon it's it's certainly in the discussion of top top three. Mm. I reckon in Melbourne, you've got the backdrop of the MCG as well. Uh, yeah, you can't get much better. And the deck, my God, mm. it's amazing. Hey, um, International Women's Day this week, which is super exciting. So I thought I might ask you, who are, who are some of the, the women in the sports industry at the moment that you really admire, who you look up to? Because there mm. are a plethora of them. We could probably do a whole episode on them, but... <laughs> Keen to hear some of the names out there. You think are just amazing what they do? Yeah, great question. Great question. Well, um, uh, the ones that immediately come to mind are probably the ones who I, I worked under at Cricket Australia. So yep. um, uh, Steph Beltrami was my executive general manager mm. when I finished up there. She's been at cricket for about 20 years. I reckon she, she even featured in 
a uh, article that reeled off the top 50 most influential women in the sports industry, yeah. which is fair enough because she looks after the broadcast negotiations for Cricket Australia. So yeah. massive job. <laughs> yeah. uh, so she's another she's a great one. Uh, Belinda Clark was also there when we were at Cricket. She's an incredible person. Yeah. Um, just got a statue built yeah. to honour her, like first female cricketer to have a statue built of her which is amazing so we were incredibly lucky to to work mm. with her at cricket too uh antonia beggs is another one that comes to mind who was at cricket but has since gone on to tla over in the uk so uh she's another very purpose-driven leader who uh funnily enough came from a background in, in investment banking yeah saw the light and now is making an impact in sports so there's there's three that come to mind yeah Nice, yeah, and uh, I think some podcast guests that we've had as well. So you know, Kelly Ryan, CEO of Netball Australia, she was amazing to to chat to and just seeing what she's doing at Netball. Mm. Obviously, got Libby Owens as well, who again is just an absolute superstar. We absolutely love Libby and um, her insights into the world of data were just unreal as well. So there's mm. there's many out there. Yeah, we, we could reel them off. And plenty um, of plenty of younger ones yeah. as well too. Uh, Emily Collin, great friend of the show. Over at Cricket Australia, um, Eliza Dewar at the at the Carlton Football Club, pardon me, uh, Ermila Rosario, the team manager of the Australian women's mm. cricket team, uh, and uh, now Bianca Litchfield at the Collingwood Football Club. So there's uh, women in sport everywhere absolutely killing. I must say uh, another one that comes to mind is um, Katie Rogers, good friend of us uh, up in Sydney who's just joined the yep. Manly Seagulls, yep. uh, just started her career um, doing a fantastic job. Tanisha Rao, another great one in motorsport. So there's um, there's plenty around. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's fantastic to be associated with so many great women in the sports industry. So um, it's, a, it's a great week and a great celebration as well. Follow us on LinkedIn if you want to connect with us and hundreds of others working in sport. Become a member of the Sports Great community. Ruse, what is happening in our community moment? Because the Discord is going wild <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of jobs being won. There's lots happening. Yeah, there's plenty going on. There's heaps of jobs, heaps of events, uh, plenty of discussion, plenty of people helping each other, which is great. We love to see all that. Um, we love calling out the wins of our community. I'm going to call out a few wins from our, a few of our female members who have just been smashing it recently. So the first one is uh, Zoe Van Malken. We mentioned Zoe uh, a week ago, but she has just started working with the Dutch Motorsport Association over in Holland, which is just incredible to mm. even think about. Uh, v Truon just got an internship with Ministry of Sport. Well done to you, V. Ebony Flanagan has just been down in Geelong completing an internship with TLA at the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race. We caught up with her at our meetup, so yeah. and she looks like she was still buzzing. So yeah, she loved it. Good on you, Ebony. Um, and, uh, and then a quick shout-out to a couple of um, women behind the scenes at Sportsgrad. Millie, who does a lot of work with us, helping with our socials, and Acacia, who helps out with our membership as well. Uh, both of those women are absolutely smashing it in their roles here. So well done to you guys. A uh, couple of jobs. Uh, these ones have just gone up. Women and Girls Participation Coordinator at Basketball Victoria. Uh, another one, Membership Officer at the Brisbane Broncos up north. And then this is a really cool one with, mm. with Kojo. Front of House slash Production Assistant. If you don't know who Kojo are, they have one of the coolest agencies running around doing yeah. all the event prez for, for major sports. So uh, check those out. And um, events. We love our Ask Sports Grad segment every yep. Wednesday night. 
This week, we've got Jordan Ionuzzi from the New York Red Bulls. And then the week after that, we're chatting all things LinkedIn. So uh, there's plenty coming up at the moment. Because there's so much coming up and there's so much to stay on top of, if you don't want to try and remember everything, (laughs) just let us send you a newsletter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Every Friday, we send out a newsletter kind of detailing all the latest jobs, all the events, Q&As, all the latest podcast episodes. So if you want to receive that, uh, head to sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter and you can subscribe to that to get that in your inbox. Uh, there's also a link in the show notes to, to join. So do that. You know, it's good for you. Fantastic. Well, grab a pen. Enjoy this chat with Bianca Litchfield. Before we jump into the episode, we've got a quick message from our good friends at Deakin University. Deakin has been a huge supporter of Sportsgrad since day one. If you're currently studying or you've just finished studying, having a postgrad qualification in sports management on your resume can give you a huge leg up over other potential candidates applying for that same role. So if you want to pump up your resume and get specialized knowledge in sports behavior, law, marketing, ethics, finance, governance, and strategy, take a look at Deakin's postgrad qualifications. Their Master of Business in Sports Management is not one of, but the best one in Australia, ranked at number one. So add a postgrad to your resume, and that's our tip for the episode. Sportsgrad Royalty, Bianca, welcome to the Sportsgrad Podcast. Thank you for having me. Bianca, we've wanted to get you in this room for a while now, so it is terrific to be chatting with you finally. Finally. Ryan mentioned, but you are were one of the first OG members back in the day when it all kicked off in late 2020. I'm not sure why he signed up. It was a very, uh, very scrappy offering back at the time, but um, it's been good to kind of follow your, your journey ever since. Yeah, some very hard convincing from you two, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I was scrolling through your, your LinkedIn the other day and um, your 2022 looked absolutely jam-packed because you had two AFLW seasons a VFL ad, uh, season as well. You've got the Super Netball season as well. And I think you did something like 40 matches across the entire year. Most people would only do 20-odd. You did 40 match preparations. What was that entire year like for you? Yeah, it was definitely hectic. And on top of that, I was still coaching rowing at the time as well in the <laughs> summer. <laughs> Whoa. Just to add to that. Um, yeah, it was very hectic, very full on. Um, but the time went very quick, as you would expect. Nice. Yeah, that, that sounds like one of the more hectic schedules. Your calendar would be hectic and it would require a bit of time management. How did you even handle all that? Um, a lot of preparation. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, as you said, my calendar was very full, very colour coordinated. Mm. Um, but I'm an organised person, so handled it all right. Definitely nice. racked up the frequent flight points, though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we follow you on Instagram. I saw you in some beautiful parts of Australia. I think the, the super netball season takes you up to mm. Queensland a fair bit, which is great. You, you're going up there soon, right? Yes, heading up there tomorrow for our Team Girls Cup preseason tournament. Nice. Um, four days up there, which will be really cool. Nice one. Bit of a... Um, you know, people don't talk about that benefit of working in sport. You, you get your frequent flyers up wherever you are. Qantas, velocity points for Virgin as well. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, we've got a new segment this year, which I'm sure you've heard, and it's called Quick Fire Questions. So we're going to fire a few questions at you. You'll answer super quick, and then if there's anything interesting at the end, we'll uh, we'll touch on it. But I will kickstart the, uh, the segment with what was your first ever job? 
I was a gymnastics coach and judge. And uh, what did you study at uni? I studied a Bachelor of Science and then Masters of Applied Sports Science. Favourite sporting moment? I think I need to go personal with this one, with the emotional pull, was Collingwood making the Super Netball finals last year. In 2022, we made it by a single goal in the end. And we actually lost the game to make finals by percentage. So it was a weird feeling, but it was <laughs> very exciting. And um, our head coach had COVID at the time, so I was sitting in her seat. Um, and, yeah, it was a very exciting uh, loss to make finals. And you got to coach the team for a game? Somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, what's your favourite interview question to ask of candidates? Uh, I like to ask, how would your friends or family describe you? Yeah, I've been asked that before. It's a tough one. <laughs> um, what's a, a book or a podcast you'd recommend? Tough one. I don't really read or listen to podcasts in terms of work. Um, I definitely find it more um, valuable just talking to other people in the industry and getting a wide range of perspectives. But in saying that, I did just start a book called Atomic Habits. Oh, great book. Great yeah, book. Just okay. finished it. <laughs> yeah, really enjoying that one. It's currently. a bit of a buzz book. Everyone's really yeah. onto it, aren't they? Yeah, I was very heavily he, convinced. He started the trend. <laughs> he, I'm convinced. Okay. Yes, I'm finding that very useful. Nice. Only halfway though. Beautiful. We'll uh, compare habit trackers later. Um, <laughs> uh, your grassroots clubs, who are they? Um, are you associated with any at the moment? Not currently. I was at Banks Rowing Club and was on the committee there for a little bit. I'm volunteering. Nice. And finally, if you had 30 minutes to pick someone's brain, who would it be? Also a tough one. Um, but I think work-wise, I'd probably want to speak to someone in the NBA. I just think their schedule is even more crazy than ours was last year. And I just think that they would have some really um, insightful tips and I'd love to see how they work. Nice. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, Jay Lee is one of our um, podcast guests from mm. way back in the day. He's the vice president of product experience, I'm going to say. Very interesting guy. So if yeah. you're looking for a good podcast, yeah. um, he's a good one. With, uh, with the uh, When you said you had you lost the game to make the finals, did you, <laughs> does that mean you had to, Collingwood had to lose by a certain amount to make it? Yeah, and it was very specific depending on how high the score was as well. It was, right. you know, if we were under 48 goals at the end, it, we could only lose by one. Or if we were above that, we could lose by two. <laughs> Did you have to do this analysis? Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I was sitting there as the score was ticking over yeah. the whole game, just making sure we knew what we needed to get. Ideally, we wanted to win. But, yeah. yes, it came down to losing by two. So, so were, you, were you feeling the pressure, like, I better have my maths right, otherwise yeah. we could miss out here? Yes, I checked it. Probably a hundred times, <laughs> and everyone turned to me at the siren and were like, "Are we in? Are we in? We don't know." And You're I just said, plugging around the laptop. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes. What was it like trying to talk to the head coach while they're saying, "Are you sure, Bianca?" <laughs> well, it was the assistant coach next to me because the head coach was at well, home you head with coach. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a bit stressful. Even though I knew that we were in, and I'd done the calculation so many times, it was still stressful. Yeah. Um, telling her that we were in. Amazing. It's well, insane. Bianca, um, sounds like an incredible job you've got. Um, 
Can you tell us a bit about some of the uh, the sequence of roles that you've had leading up to the role that you've got now? You mentioned you're involved back at your rowing club in the day. Uh, funnily enough, one of our previous guests who we just had on, Melissa Lawton, also started off in mm. the rowing clubs of Melbourne and is now leading content over at Sale GP and went via Facebook in uh, in New York and New York uh, uh, Red Bull in Austria. So um, if that's anything to go by, your trajectory is on a, yeah. on a good path. But tell us a bit um, tell us a bit about the sequence of roles that you had and sliding doors moments between you starting off and getting a job at Collingwood. Yeah, definitely not on that level yet. Um, <laughs> There's still time. Yes, definitely. So I started, um, yeah, coaching gymnastics and then rowing and did a bit of customer service at the MCG. Um, that was probably, I think, five years. Um and then when I was at uni, I did an internship with Collingwood in the men's program. Um, and I think that really set me up for my career now. Um, although it didn't directly lead to a job at the time during COVID um, and all of that, uh, it definitely laid some um, good connections down when I was there and put in the hard work um, and that really paid off in the end. Um, and now I am yeah, in analysis in netball and AFLW. Nice. How did it lead from that? You obviously had that internship, so you had to like build those relationships. Is that ultimately what led to you getting this role now? Um, Yeah, it was a bit indirect, almost, I don't want to say chance, but um, right place, right time. I had someone reach out in the netball program, said they have this job, and it just happened that I had my references from Collingwood anyway from my internship. Nice. Um, And that got the conversation starting. How, how did they know to reach out to you? It was through um, a uni connection um, through my degree in my master's. So you, one of your lecturers put you in touch with this person from Collingwood? Yes, correct. So you must have been acing uni uh. at the time for them to think, all right, let's put this person forward. Yeah, it was my um, lecturer. It was the head of the course um, and I had a bit to do with her in my research assignment as well. So... We'd had a few touch points previously and that really helped. It pays to stay close to the lecturers at uni. Yeah. I know um, Franny Tay, one of our friends from Cricket Australia now at the FIFA Women's World Cup, she got recommended uh, by one of her lecturers at Deakin to get her first job at cricket. Um, I got very lucky once because I submitted half an assignment, got my result back and they said, you've got 37%. And I was like, this isn't right. And then realized I'd submitted the wrong thing. Thankfully, I had a good relationship with the lecturer that I said, can you please remark it? And he said, yeah, no worries. So no matter if you just want your assignments upgraded or if you want a job, <laughs> stay close to your lecturers. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. They're good resources. They're very knowledgeable and they have the connections, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm. So was there anyone still at Collingwood between when you were doing your internship and when you started working there? And did they come into play in you um, getting, in the, getting the role? Yeah, definitely. Um, My supervisor from my internship is still um, a big part of the club. Um, And yeah, all the people that I worked with in the analysis department, bar one or two maybe. Um, So still a lot of people around that I met during that time um, still working at the club. Is that um, Anthony? Anthony's still there, yes. Yep, yep. Yes, he was my supervisor. Yeah, shout out to Anthony. He'd be be listening. (laughs) Yeah, great man. Nice. And why did you go down the analysis path? Is that, you know, how did you know that was the job that was for you in the end? I don't think you ever know, um, but I tried it in the internship. The internship was more broad. It was 
sort of high performance sports science um, and analysis. And then uh, when I was doing the internship, I thought this is actually something that I'm all right at. I'm quite a logical thinker and it made sense to me. And um, I like using data to drive decision making and understand how that works. Um, so yeah, I just enjoyed it during my time in the internship. I didn't think that was the part that I would have liked the most, but here we are. Was was there something that kind of, like, after you'd gone down that track, was there something that really confirmed that for you where you thought, I'm, I'm definitely in the right space here? Not really. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably not the answer um, that people would want to hear. I just, I think you, you're not always going to be 100% sure, but I'm enjoying it and I still feel really challenged by it and I enjoy going to work every day. So I think, yeah, that's probably as good an indication as any. <laughs> I, I know yeah. some people who are like super wizards with, with Excel and super analytical and it, they don't just do it in their job, they do it in their entire lives. Like I had one mate, Chris, who was looking to buy a house and so he took all the data from all the different houses that he was looking at, put them on an Excel spreadsheet and drew up this graph and he, so he could like plot on a chart to see like what was like the the correlation between like price and property size or something in in square meters. So <laughs> I don't know. Do you find it seeping into other areas of your yeah. life? <laughs> um, we definitely have someone like that as well at work, and he in COVID used it to track bit, Bitcoin and shares. I think in a similar way. Um, I don't think I'm into that sort of nitty gritty level of data, <laughs> but definitely the analytical side and logical side and that side of the analysis, yes. When you said you love using data to lead decision making, what are some of those big decisions that you sort of help them make through your work? Um, it can be a lot of things, particularly um, in the off season, we look a lot at league trends and where we think the league's going to go in the next year or two or three. Um, so looking at that data and trying to figure out where we think, you know, the top of the league's going to be sitting in different stats and where we predict we're going to go and where we want to be and um, trying to just design our strategy around that. Mm. So not just looking at the numbers specifically, but looking at different areas of our game plan already and what we have and where we can improve and how we're actually going to take the steps to do that. Does that come into, um, uh, does your work flow into list management as well, looking at what types of players other teams mm. have got and what types of players an ideal premiership netball team has? Yeah, somewhat. I definitely provide um, some stats around players and um, for that recruiting space. We don't have um, a whole recruiting department like AFL, so it's a little bit different of a process um, but it's definitely something I'm trying to learn more um, lean into a bit more and learn in the future nice. so would you look at like you know the trends of the league and how often say players are shooting super shots and you would look at your players and be like okay who is our best you know shot taker and you'd be like okay Soph Garvin whenever whenever you get into that zone make sure you're shooting for two yeah that comes into it for yeah. sure and the super shot one's a tricky one. <laughs> we love the super shot. We, yes. went, we went to a game last year. I reckon we've mentioned it like 15 times in the podcast now, but went to the semi-final and we were just like, super shot, go. Just go harder. <laughs> it's great. Yes. It has been a bit controversial in the past. I think some teams like it, some teams don't. Um, but 
yeah, it's becoming more and more common that teams are not so much relying on it, but they're building it into the game plan mm. um, now that we're two, three years down the track with it. Yeah. Nice. Um, you mentioned before you're on the road with the, the team a lot. You're building up those frequent flyer points a fair bit. Um, what's it like travelling with the team? Because um, on a recent experience that I had with the UAE cricket team at the T20 World Cup, we would go and play a game, come back to the hotel, and then the head coach would like call a meeting and it wouldn't finish until like 2 a.m. in the morning. And I was like, is this what all professional teams <laughs> are like? Because this is pretty extreme. <laughs> um, is that the case with Collingwood? What, what, is, what goes on when you're on the road with the team? Not necessarily. Not 2 a.m. <laughs> um, probably depends on, you know, when we're playing and that sort of thing. For example, this weekend when we're in the Gold Coast, we're playing four games across three days. So there probably will be some late nights involved, but more so um, individual work and working with the coaches. The team's obviously not up till 2am reviewing the game. (laughs) We'll give them their bite-sized info and review what they need to do just before the games. Um, Keep it short and sharp. But yeah, sometimes we can be up late at night reviewing a game if we've got another one the next day or coming up. Um, midweek we had some games last year Um, but it's a lot of fun traveling with the team you get to really meet the players and um, you know spend that time bonding with the other staff members Um, yeah I can imagine it would be like it'd be a lot of fun because the squad is what is it 12 10 10 per club so like you, you know everyone so personally whereas like you think about some other sports like you know, footy, for instance, nearly has 50 on the list. So you're not going to know everyone so personal. So I'd imagine, you know, getting on the road would be a whole bunch of fun. Yes, when we're not working and we have that small amount of downtime, yeah, it is really fun. And we've created some really good friendships within the group. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it is enjoyable. And um, you mentioned uh, analysing a game. How, How long does that process take you? It can depend on the game. We like to... Try and not review wins and losses differently, but you're always probably going to scrutinise a loss a little bit more. Um, It depends on um, when the turnaround is and how much detail we'll go into as well. But it can take um, an hour or two to review it fully and then sort of digest it takes longer and then to put it into a meaningful presentation for the athletes, you know, takes a couple more hours after that as well. Yeah, And so that first hour or two, are you you spending that kind of coding the game before analysing it? We code a lot live um, in netball so that we've got that live feedback for the coaches. So we go back and code and add a little bit more um, data and meaning to those codes. But a lot of it is actually just watching the game back and reviewing it that way. And um, like what, what are the, some of the key stats in netball? Like what, what really indicates whether you're going to win a match or lose a match? There's not much that um, changes across teams, which is the interesting thing. Um, a lot of the teams review the same sort of stats as everyone else. It's um, centre pass conversion we're looking at, so how often you convert your own centre passes, yeah. then um, how many turnovers you can get off another team and converting those as well. They're probably the main ones. Nice. Yeah, super interesting. Um, we had Shane Leonage a couple of weeks back and he was talking about all these sort of different bits of technology that he, use, that he uses. Are you using similar things or, or what are the, you know, pieces of the, you know, the programs and whatnot that you guys use? 
We predominantly use sports code um, and huddle to analyse our games, code them, upload yeah. them to the cloud for the athletes to watch. Uh, and then we do a bit of work in Excel to sort of do the more nitty-gritty data yeah. analysis. Yeah, cool. Nice. Um, what does an ideal day look like for you in you know the heat of a, a netball season? Can I say winning a premiership? <laughs> <laughs> you can <Sure>. say that. <laughs> but what, what does winning the premiership mean from nine till five? <laughs> <laughs> um, not as exciting as that, but I think, yeah, we're trying to focus on the little things and improving our processes day to day. My normal day sort of comprises, I guess, three different components mostly. One's uh, mentoring some interns that we have in the program. Um, leading them, teaching them how to be an analyst essentially and do what I do day to day. And then the other part of it is analysing training or games, whatever it is that week. Um, and I guess the last part to that is the more overall strategy and, um, you know, analysing those league trends that we we're talking about before and how that um, it goes into the design of our overall game plan. Nice. Amazing. Um, are there any standout interns coming through at the moment? Definitely. <laughs> Na- name and shame. Them. Yeah. <laughs> they are. It's quite competitive out there, I think. <laughs> How many would you take on in a regular season? Last year across all of the programs, I had 20 across the year. Wow. 20? <laughs> oh. Not all at the same time. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. Got an army coming in. Yeah. Um, we've got four in the netball program at the moment. Nice. The analytics army. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder Collingwood continues to hit the top. Yeah. <laughs> um, phenomenal. Um, Bianca, th- this week uh, International Women's Day is coming up on the uh, 8th of March, which is a chance to celebrate the achievements of women. And um, we-, we feel a little bit awkward being two dudes asking these questions, but it's still an important topic, so um, we'll fire away anyway. Um but I wanted to dive into so your experience being a female in the sports industry, which is male-dominated. And um, if we could perhaps start right back when uh, when you were going through uni and you're looking at the sports industry and there's more men than women in this industry, how, how did that make you feel going into it? And were there any barriers that you had to overcome to um, get your first foot in the door? Um, I don't think... It necessarily changed my perspective on, you know, wanting to work in sport. It definitely has been male-dominated, you can say, previously, and particularly football for that. You know, we've had 130 years of football at Collingwood now, and we're only into year seven of women's sport. So, obviously, that does make a difference. But personally, um, I can only speak for myself. I don't think I have had too many barriers and it didn't change my perspective of still wanting to work in sport. Um, I think the sports industry is changing very quickly and I guess I'm very privileged and lucky to be a part of a club that is so supportive and part of that change Um, and I'm very lucky to work across two women's programs that are very different um, and get to see the full range and work across two different codes and learn from so many different people. Nice. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, that's unusual, right? Because we, I feel like we speak to a lot of women out there that say there are barriers and there are, you know, things that I think about and, you know, maybe this isn't for me because it is so male-dominated. So it's great that, I guess, well, it's kind of a good thing that Collingwood has been so strong in women's sport, especially netball, AFLW, 
that has created such a great environment for you to jump in and, and be part of that. Yeah, definitely. We think we have, on last count, it was 94 female athletes, which is more than we have male athletes. So Fantastic. Mm. If you take that into consideration, <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah. really say that it's male-dominated in that way. Yeah, um, it's a good sign that things are changing. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. Um, in terms of like, you know, what do you think organisations can do to make make it easier and more comfortable for women working in sport? And I guess from that, how do they make it easy for you to thrive and, and really, you know, reduce some of those barriers that often people are talking about? Yeah, like you said, um, just talking about it is one way and I think it doesn't need to be like an organisational level, CEO level, exec level. It comes from everyone and... Um, shameless plug but we have a group at Collingwood called the Women in Black and White group which I'm part of and so many amazing women are part of that group and our purpose is to always keep women on the agenda Um, and it's just the small things it's making sure that women have a voice and feel seen and feel heard and um, have that ability to speak up so yeah I think just the little things keep women on the agenda and yeah keep pushing for their voice to be heard. Um, what, one other thing that kind of comes to mind in my kind of limited view of, of all this is that um, um, I often hear women speak about how if a role comes up or if an opportunity comes up, often they feel like they have to be 100% qualified or, or overqualified to even think about going for it. Whereas if you go to the, the male counterparts, um, maybe only 70% or 60% of them needs to feel confident for them to, to go for it. Um is that something that you've noticed in yourself or other people? And, and do you, what, how do you think um, uh, more women can feel encouraged to start to take on new opportunities without feeling like they have to absolutely be perfect? Yeah, it definitely is that perfectionist sort of tendency and maybe not all women feel it, but I do. And I feel, you know, less confident, not so much in my ability, but my ability to sell myself um, at times. And yeah, I think you just have to have the confidence in knowing those skills that you do have um, and not think of it any other way, but think of yourself as I'm really good at this job um, and that's why I deserve to be here. Mm. Like you got picked for a reason. Like. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, would that be like the, the number one thing that you think um, holds women back? No, there's definitely many things. Mm. Yeah, and it's all personal, I guess, and subjective and you can't just stereotype, you know, one sort of way that women feel they're held back. I'm sure there's a lot of other barriers as well that women feel and, um, yeah, not just women, people everywhere. Yeah. And and who are some of those other women in the sports industry that, that you really look up to and admire and um, inspire you? Honestly, so many. <laughs> um, List them off. <laughs> I think particularly like within our club, we have so many great athletes um, that I look up to and so many people that, you know, juggle their family life outside of work and their career. And um, Ash Brazel for one, she's one of our netballers and footballers and she's got two beautiful kids and a wife at home and she juggles so much. She's so inspirational. Um, and then I guess... If you're looking for another name, Jess Berger at Collingwood, she um, is the GM of women's football. Um, And on a personal note, she has been um, one of the people to teach me a lot in my career. She's a real trailblazer of 
um, women in football, women in sport in general, and she's just a gun at her job. And she just really brings up everyone else around her. And I'm so lucky to um, have been around her and have her um, guide me as well. Yeah, I've heard Jess's name come up a fair bit. Mm. She, um, yeah, she's definitely making waves in the industry from what I've heard. She's certainly podcast territory. <laughs> and I, I would have thought that's on the agenda for, for 2023. <laughs> um, Bianca, if you could go back to uh, the beloved Deakin Library, we've all been there, one of the great libraries in, uh, in Australia, really. Um, if you could go back and leave a note on the desk for your younger self to read, what would that piece of advice be? I think um, don't get so caught up in trying to work in sport. Um, just explore what you actually like. Um, talk to different people and find what you're passionate about. I think so many people think they're just passionate about sport but they don't know what role they're interested in and I think that's probably the wrong way to do it. You need to flip it, find what you're passionate about, what you would see yourself doing down the track and enjoying going to work doing um, and then build from there. Amazing. It's good advice. What uh, what else do you could you see yourself doing if you weren't doing this job? I'm really interested in um, the high performance space in general and trying to get more of a holistic sort of overview of high performance and that recruiting space, um, overall strategy and that direction. Amazing. Nice. Have you, um, I suppose there's plenty of amazing people at Collingwood to, <laughs> to help you out there. Um, but there's a good one that we know of uh, called Binuk Kadudawaku over at the Adelaide Crows who uh, used to be a lawyer <laughs> and then taught himself analytics and ended up becoming like the head of list management analytics at mm. the Adelaide Crows. Um, so perhaps a good one. I know Collingwood's doing incredibly jo- well too. Um, but yeah, that's great. Yeah. The other thing uh, that came to mind too is you, have you still got your art business going along? Would you ever venture into that one day? I don't currently. I Give it a plug. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was an art business. What's going on here? Yeah, in COVID, I um, started doing some pet portraits for friends. For oh, yeah, gifts yeah. And yeah, it kind of grew from there, but I don't really have the time currently. Fair I enough. bought one of them once for, for Hamish McInnes, actually. Nice. Former podcast guest. <laughs> um, Last one, um, what do you think the next five years brings for you? Because you've obviously had, I think you said, three years at the Pies now, um, which has seemed like it's gone super quick just because we've known you for the last few years. But where do you think you're going to be heading in the next five? I don't like to pigeonhole myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like I said before, I'm really interested in overall strategy and kind of trying to delve into that a bit more. trying to grow as a person as well and build my confidence um, and, yeah, just learn more about all aspects of high performance. Nice. Stay close to Jess Berger. That might be a good way to go. <laughs> uh, Ruth, obviously we had Bianca who's analytics gun. Um, who are some other episodes similar that people can be listening to? Yeah, well, uh, we've also had a number of fantastic women on the on the show too. Um, going right back to cover... Uh, another female in analytics. There was Lauren Boothby in episode ten. Yeah. Um, we've also had uh, Kelly Ryan, the uh, the CEO of Nepal Australia. On another fantastic listen. Another one from Nepal Australia is um, Kimberly Furness in episode one hundred and twenty eight. Sorry, uh, Kelly Ryan was one eighty five, I believe. Um, and Libby Owens, another terrific woman, woman who uh, is the CEO of Champion Data, who 
basically own all the data yeah. <laughs> that people like Bianca are out there analyzing. She is episode 204, I believe. So, um, yeah, plenty of, plenty of fantastic episodes if you enjoyed Bianca. Nice. Well, Bianca, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, as we said at the start, we've been wanting to get you in for a while and it's great to just hear about your journey to get to the pies. And now all the stuff that you're doing is super interesting. Hope you don't mind us picking you to bits in terms of those questions about, all, you know, your day-to-day, but we, um, we absolutely love it. I'm sure everyone tuning in is, uh, is super interested as well. So thanks again for coming in. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Guys, it's time now for our Sports Grad, everyone's favourite segment where every week we answer a question from the Sports Grad community. If you'd like to ask a question first, just become a Sports Grad member at our website, sportsgrad.com.au slash community to join super quickly. Then add your question to the channel named Ask Sports Grad. Rubes, this one comes from Maddie who says, if a salary increase isn't, isn't an option... How do I negotiate other benefits that could be applied instead? Mm, great question. Great question. Uh, super important. And I know like a lot of people can get frustrated with the, the salaries that are on offer in the sports industry because it's not the most lucrative industry in the world. So what else can you you know negotiate into your contract to make it feel worthwhile to you? Um, the first thing I'll say is don't completely let go of trying to negotiate some sort of uh, salary increase into your contract because if they can't give you one at this point in time, what you can do is um, negotiate a, uh, a trigger. So if you say to them like, well, what do I have to do to get a $5,000, $10,000 pay increase? Then they can say to you, well, actually, you've got to hit these goals. You've mm. got to hit these targets. Then we can increase your salary. So you can, if they, if one is not immediately available right now, find out what do you have to do to be able to trigger that. Yeah. And that not every organisation will think of this. Some you will probably have to think of your own almost like development plan and your your own goals to to trigger um, these salary increases. So you've got to come prepared to say, like, all right, for five thousand extra dollars, I I will hit these targets, or mm-hmm. for ten thousand, I'll hit these targets. Yeah. Um. So don't lose sight of the fact that, you know, more money might not be available right this second. Try and think about what can I do in the future to be worth that in the future. So that's one way that you can try and negotiate a pay increase into your contract. Um, but if you're looking at other benefits, you know, have a think about the the non-tangible things that you can get as well. Perhaps you want to work from home um, more days than not. Um, I'd encourage you to think about, you know, what what else can the business offer you that's not financial, but just helps you live your life more easily. So uh, work from home is an easy one. Um, you'd have to look through the, the company benefits to, to find others. These things will be become obvious to you depending on who the organisation is. But I'd encourage you to think about what can this organisation offer me that doesn't require their money but would make it easier for me to, to do this job. So that's a, the path that I'd be taking. Yep. A couple of things to this. I would say if it's a job that you've applied for and you, you know, you're deciding whether to take it, this might be different where this question's heading if you're already in a role. But say somewhere's offering you seventy say say you want seventy grand from an inch for for your role. They're offering you sixty five or sixty. A couple of things with that, you, you know, try and meet the middle. 
So if they're offering you 60, say 65, you know, see what they do. But I'd also not turn down a role for the sake of five grand because it, it might seem like that's a lot of money, but when you really break it down on paycheck to paycheck, it's literally like a couple of hundred bucks. After tax as well. After tax. Like <laughs> it's you're hardly even going to see it. So really at that point, you're wanting a role to get the experience and there's no point turning down a role and not getting that, that experience for the sake of a couple of extra hundred bucks on your on your paycheck. What you could do is say, yes, I'll take that, understand that you can't pay me more, but in 12 months' time, can we have something in the diary to, to reassess it mm. and see where we're at so you know that they're willing to at least chat about it in the future. Mm. You're not just accepting it and you feel like you've just laid down and that's it. Mm. Have them commit to having a, having a discussion down the line. And that's where that, that conversation becomes super easy if you have a very clear plan yep. in place to say, if I do X, Y, and Z, yep. then, you know, this will happen. Totally. You don't want to end up in that meeting and be like, well, now I've got to like argue for my case again. If it's mm. already there, it's already set up, then it should be a pretty, pretty quick conversation. Yep. Awesome. Great question. A few of them have come through lately around salary. Mm. Bit of a theme lately. Yep. If you'd like to ask us a question or ask our friends in sport a question, sign up to become a SportsGrab member. Each week we jump on a QA and a where it's an open floor for you to ask us or industry professionals any of your questions. This Wednesday we are chatting to commercial partnership. We're chatting about commercial partnerships with Jordan Iannuzzi. You would have heard him on the podcast. Uh, he is from the New York Red Bulls, which is an incredible organisation. Uh, so that's coming up on Wednesday. All these Q&As are recorded. So when you join, you get immediate access to all of our content. That's over 50 hours at the moment, which is uh, a pretty cool little library. Find us on LinkedIn, plus give us some love with a rating if you enjoy the show. Subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, guys, one last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the SportsGrad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join.